0: You may ask, what are the odds, right? What are the odds? Well, that's why we're here to answer those questions. Answer the question. We
1: don't care if you win or lose the game. I don't care. Just cover the spread. Now here's Eitan Shander. Team Brazilian, um, we realize you know our backs are against the wall, just like last week, you know, and it's it's do or die right now, and. Uh, make or break and guys stepped up and kept making plays and and guys you know to the good the bad the ugly guys just kept believing you know guys just kept believing you know I had the the fumble and everybody was you know cheering me up and and getting me going and defense had the big stop and we just kept believing kept believing kept looking at each other saying we got this and we got it done
0: well there's a reason why I want to begin with that comment that quote from Carson Wentz not selfishly of course because our Philadelphia Eagles here in Philadelphia take care of business and they do it in such dramatic fashion That they cover the spread. So not only is it a gigantic local story that Carson Wentz has yet done it again and driven his team down the field for a game-winning touchdown two straight times. And if you want to fill in the blanks with the details of who it's against, okay, go ahead. But when you hear that about how things have changed around a football team, right around now as we get deep into the end of the season, With a couple of weeks left, two weeks left, you're looking at a couple of divisional matchups. That's what the NFL wants as the schedule winds down. There's a game tonight that bucks that trend where you have NFC, AFC, some positioning on the line for both teams in both conferences. But the biggest picture you can look at with the NFL, and we're going to use what happened yesterday with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars specifically, But also, kind of tie in, looking ahead at the next two weeks, where the value is going to be, outside, of course, of identifying something like which team's offensive line is banged up, how many pass rushers they're down. I'd always start there, first and foremost. One of the smartest guys I know, have him on here a couple of times, and PGF has laid that out. But biggest picture you can look at as far as value on a team that's trending up or down down off the field, is a comment like that. The Philadelphia Eagles, people have asked me this even today. It was on a station in Kansas City as a guest. Who or what are the Philadelphia Eagles? And I responded, well, to be fair, the Philadelphia Eagles are a second-half team. The Philadelphia Eagles are a team right now that, yes, is in the hunt for the NFC East. And we'll see what happens with the Dallas Cowboys if that line moves, which I anticipate it will, where the Eagles are getting two and a half. And I imagine Philadelphia has been hammering that. If not, then they will hammer the hell out of that over the next day or so and move it. But this is a nice little... Insight or piece of insight, if you will, into this rivalry and into this matchup specifically because you don't need to look at history between these two teams. You don't need to look at trends. The last ten times the Cowboys and Eagles have been... Just look at what the Philadelphia Eagles have become. The one variable that has been constant with the Philadelphia Eagles. Even, mind you, in losses. That's what's crazy. Crazy is that it doesn't really change that much in a loss either. The Philadelphia Eagles are not going to win many, if any, first halves. And it's going to get a lot of people out there frustrated, beyond, of course, of Eagles Twitter, but betters. People that think, wow, this Philadelphia Eagles team, they're locked to cover this six, seven-point line, whatever it may be, where you get it closed up against the Skins. But... One thing we know is that their offense, especially in the first half, is awful, and they can't get much going, and they do struggle to consistently move the football up and down the field, and most importantly, they struggle to score. So yesterday, I, and I know a bunch of people, as we were at Harris watching that game, caught it. It's just another opportunity to take advantage of the Philadelphia Eagles not doing anything against an an opponent in the first half. So you watch that game. Hopefully you jumped in ahead of time and took the skins in the first half. But this goes to the explanation of who they are right now and why they become so dangerous against the Cowboys this weekend is that they are a second-half football team. From adjustment to attitude to execution, things change. And things seem to change kind of drastically for the Eagles. And that's a bettable trait. Okay, I can't tell you. This has happened now quite a few times. This is a bettable trait when you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. And I've had this conversation with people for the longest. But now, especially with in-game betting, and I tell you, they have given you the blueprint. Hopefully you took advantage of this yesterday. I'm telling you, it was the easiest thing to call. And you know what we do here is not sell, tout, anything like that. There's no website I'm directing you to. There's no subscription that I'm directing you to. I'm not selling anything on the air here. But this one, hopefully, you've been recognizing... And it's been jumping out to you because you've been following here in Philadelphia your team. And to digress for a second here, the old adage of you never bet on your own team. Oh, I never put money on my... That's out the window. If you are a sports better, you are trying to be as educated and ahead of every single curve as humanly possible. So if you are betting money on football games... And that's what you're waiting for every Saturday with college football, now different nights a week. But Thursday night, Monday night, you need action. It's the NFL. I need action. Let me watch. I'm going to be dialed in fantasy-wise, a better two, what have you. You are doing yourself a disservice, at the very least, if you're not in-game betting your own football team. Because you know your football team. You know your basketball team. You know the teams that you pay attention to the most. And it's not stats, it's feel. It's just control, sometimes lack thereof, like the Eagles in the first half, to regaining it like we saw with the Eagles in the second half. It was an easy one. You bet against the Eagles in every single first half. You flip that money and turn around and in-game bet the Eagles because they're either going to be down or tied with a team they have no business being down to or tied with heading into the half. So on one hand, it's pretty much locked in for this Eagles-Cowboys game moving forward that you're going to get some sense of the Cowboys trying to finish off the Eagles in the first half. Right hook, left hook, uppercut. But to continue and further that boxing analogy, the Eagles have kind of become like this Butterbean. The Eagles have become this big, massive blob of quasi-athletic ability. You know what? I'll take it a step further because I don't think that it's doing the Eagles justice. And I don't mean to slander Butterbean here, but it was the first thing that came to mind. I don't have his name in front of me, and of course I'm the only one here, so I'll be at the mercy of Twitter at Shander Show. Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler. Presented by Cure Auto Insurance, Aton Shander. But the guy, he's he's a little heavy. He won a couple of fights. He's a pretty big boxer. He won a couple of fights. He's a little heavy. He's not as in shape and cut, right, as the regular guy. The normal guys, especially the guys he's going up against. That's kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles. But I use the Butterbean analogy because you can't knock them out. You might out-box and you might outfight fight Butterbean, but you sure as hell not going to come in there and knock him out in the second round. I don't care who it is. Mike Tyson in his prime ain't knocking out Butterbean, right? So the Eagles, as much damage and as much physical punishment as they may take both on the field and on the scoreboard in the first half, you know that there is a swing coming. You know that there is a shift coming. And there was something about Sunday where I hope you were paying attention, because if you were following this team and placing bets on the NFL, you did yourself a disservice if you didn't jump in and take full advantage of two things. One, you know already how bad they are in the first half, and two, you know how good they are in the second half. Guys are taking turns. You didn't need to nail, well, Greg Ward. You didn't need to nail Carson Wentz throwing over, I think, one and a half. It might have been touchdowns. You didn't need to nail a prop in order to understand that it was just a matter of time before things swung in the Eagles' favor. That's just what they do. And it's not, oh, the NFL, the NFL, or the NBA, everybody's going to make a run. The Eagles have proven this. Look, the Bengals didn't make a run yesterday. As much as they might have if their sideline wasn't taped. Come on. They didn't make a run. There are plenty of teams. The Colts tonight. You're going to see how fast this thing is over. They're not going to be able to make a run. They're not going to have the talent to make a run against the Saints defense. Betting on your team, I don't know why it's not discussed more. But with the availability of the in-game bet, especially when you know everything, it's difficult in baseball. I'm not going to sit here and chastise you for not ruling out A in-game bet on the Phillies down four in the fifth, something along those lines. But I will say this. The Philadelphia Eagles, there's no exception. 500, win some, lose some, some pretty good teams they've beaten, some head-scratchers in which they've lost. All of that is out the window. We're talking about an in-game feel. And this is the same conversation for the Detroit Lions as it is for the New Orleans Saints. It doesn't matter where you are how you're consuming the show throughout iHeartRadio. If you're a fan of a football team, college or pro, and you know and you follow this team in and out, a lot of you out there work or write or have your own outlets where it's not just the biggest publication, where you're doing your own stuff or you're working for a smaller group that's rising or growing. Whatever it is, you know you're following along. How people didn't jump on that beyond me. That was one. The other is the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I don't know what I'm more shocked about, to be honest with you. If it's the fact that the Jaguars came back from the dead, I saw someone tweet at me earlier in the day, because I put it out there, I was shocked that they came back, what the best odds were for people who were betting that game live. And there was a gentleman who bet it, at Sugar House at plus 900. <laughs> Got the Jags in at plus 900. And you know what? The Oakland Raiders and John Gruden and the disgrace that's been the fallout from the Raiders leaving and all of the issues that Oakland has had recently. That aside, Jacksonville coming back, I think, was way more shocking. Maybe it's just Jacksonville in general. From an odd standpoint, the payout was clearly on the Jacksonville side. But I am curious, just think about this. And you can hit me up on Twitter at Show if you like. Which game do you think netted the biggest shock? Like, who walked away more shocked with the result? Not necessarily a bigger payout. There's a difference here. I get it. Like a gigantic payout is going to also usually be accompanied by a shock. Wow. Kentucky got knocked off by Evansville. Huh, okay. I had it. I called it from the jump. You're still excited about winning a thousand dollars or however much that payout was of what you put back. But think about the nature. In which the Eagles cover that game against the Skins with the Nigel Bradham return where the Eagles didn't get anything. I don't even think they touched Dwayne Haskins before that play. I don't think that anybody even was able to breathe close enough to where Haskins is like, man, dragon, bad breath, mints, whatever you want to use or phrase you want to throw out. I don't think the Eagles got that close until the very last play where the game was sealed signed, sealed. All it needed to be was delivered. And yet still, look at what happened. That fumble return put them over the top, and they wind up getting an amazing cover. On the flip side, as far as what would counter that, would be the Jags being down 16-3 to at plus 900. Jumping on that and watching a team come back. So, all right, you may ask yourself, will hit the top three things you need to know about tonight's Monday night football game. 6.45, there's action outside of Monday night. So, from college to the NBA to the NHL, we'll mine the biggest value in the big board. Adam Thompson's going to join us at 7 o'clock. 7.30, wait till you hear this. We have actually created accurate, which I believe, accurate odds on Deion Waiters and his situation with the Miami Heat. And I'll leave it at that until we get to it. But understand here, the Jacksonville Jaguars were the prime candidate, especially through the first half of that game. This wasn't coming into the game. This wasn't, well, coming into that one game, the Jaguars were fill-in-the-blank. No, this was more about the Jacksonville Jaguars were... Left for dead, and rightfully so. The Jacksonville Jaguars were a team that everybody was convinced, myself included, no longer wanted to play football. Like, alright man, that's it. They're done. They they don't want to play football anymore. This is a scenario here where you pretty much you bet against them. I'm shocked, and I know Matt Peralt, when he joins us Wednesday at 7 o'clock, is going to try to backdoor his way into this one. But... If, in fact, you took the Seahawks, when we talked about that game Wednesday evening at four, four and a half, then you covered. But when it closed at six and you were looking for the... the, I'm shocked that the Panthers were able to fight back the way in which they did. Because much like Jacksonville, Carolina has looked like, at least over the last month or so, that they are no longer interested in playing football. So what's really difficult to gauge in those two instances... Is just what you're going to get. Now, both teams came into that weekend, and even in the first halves of those games, respectively, with the Jags and then the Panthers, both teams continued that trend like they were dead. Both teams continued looking like they had no interest anymore in playing the game of football. Which is kind of bizarre, isn't it? Because second half, that's where they were able to kind of battle back. One thing that you really can't ignore here, and I understand that people are going to try to use this to calibrate and continue to bet, but one thing you can't ignore is the Carolina Panthers at least have a weapon. The Panthers have a guy in Christian McCaffrey who, beyond just from a fantasy standpoint, is going to put up 30 no matter what the score is. They can put up three points. He'll get you 30 points. But he's somebody that's going to allow you, especially if it's throwing him the football, he's going to allow you to stay in a game, get a backdoor cover, a backdoor touchdown, to put it over, something along those lines. He's a very difficult variable to bet with or against. And unfortunately for the Jaguars, they don't really have that. Leonard Fournette has been a disappointment to say the least. And I'm probably doing him a favor calling him a disappointment at this time. So one thing that is really the biggest issue that the Jags have now moving forward is, is this something you would continue to bet on and say that they've turned the corner? No. Because that's why you got beat on the Broncos this week. That's why you got beat. Beat up on the Denver Broncos. And I know you got beat on the Broncos because so many people before that game closed, before that gate closed, so many of you were on Denver. And we sat back and thought, whoa, 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 why would the Chiefs suffer some sort of letdown beating the Patriots? But the Denver Broncos, who are significantly a worse team than the Kansas City Chiefs, they're not going to suffer a breakdown. They're not going to suffer a letdown. If anything, Denver would be way more prime to suffering a letdown than the Kansas City Chiefs, who, mind you, were at home. So what exactly is happening here where people think the Kansas City Chiefs were going to suffer some sort of letdown? And I get it. The Niners lose at the end. But that letdown, you could tell as well, they travel across and take on the Saints in a shootout, magnificent shootout, similar to something out of the Old West, bang, back and forth. And you expected what? That game to go under and then to hold the Falcons to seven points? The lack of attention to detail and insistence that bad teams can get on a roll is beyond me. I don't understand where this comes from. The Cincinnati Bengals, that's probably where the book took the biggest hit this weekend, was the Cincinnati Bengals not coming anywhere close to covering. Everybody, I think we all were pretty much sure of it, that the New England Patriots were to go into that football game and dominate Cincinnati. Maybe not to the tune in which we thought, which was four interceptions from Dalton and actually Andy Dalton throwing for more (laughs) yards than Tom Brady. In fact, I think the Cincinnati Bengals outgained the New England Patriots. They still lost with 34-13, but that's the nature of it when your defense is back that way against a team like the Bengals. That's where they took a hit. Sorry. Yes, now you start to look at where they begin to make up ground. That's where it gets a little trickier with games like the Falcons, games like the Panthers. And I guarantee you that the Oakland Raiders was a major cleanup for the books. Where the amount of money that you were able to see on the Raiders was not returned anywhere close to the public. It was something where Book's probably just like, all right, well, we made up on that one game, we made up what we lost with the Cincinnati Bengals and New England Patriots game. And I don't know why people would be so gung-ho to put down all that money on John Gruden and the Raiders in that particular game. Because as bad and as empty of a soul and of a vessel as the Jacksonville Jaguars were before that game and really through the first half, it's still an unpredictable Oakland Raiders team. That's something we should look at. Coming up, I'm going to give you the top three things you need to look at tonight. They're all centered around Monday Night Football. And hopefully, you were listening to Tuck earlier with Sean Brace and Slash on the Daily Ticket. Hopefully, you were listening, as you should be, each and every week when he joins the Daily Ticket. Because a nugget was dropped. And who am I to turn my back on a nugget, especially when it's dropped for me and all of you out there on the airwaves here on Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler? Because I heard something that made way too much sense earlier in the day. That made way too much sense earlier in the weekend, that made really way too much sense all last week leading up to the odds for this game. And I know it's dropped a point, maybe a point and a half, depending on when you got it. I initially got the Colts at nine and a half. But there is something about an individual player tonight that will dictate the narrative of the football game. They truly will. Now, there's another thing I want to explore before we hit the big board at 6.45, and that's... Who right now in the NFL can you trust? And I don't want to devise some sort of scheme or some sort of pattern or method in which it's like foolproof. All right, now we've got some foolproof way of always bet here. But think about this week in and week out over the last five, six weeks, not even from a spread standpoint. Don't even look at it from simply a spread standpoint. Factor in the money line. Factor in the total. Just factor in now moving forward into this weekend. What you look at with the team centered around the team. Because I guarantee you, and I'm going to end this segment the way we began, I guarantee you this. The one thing that I can trust right now, at the very least, with the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward And I want you to hear why I believe this, because I'm not the one who's going to sell it to you as far as the detail is concerned. I'm going to let the guy who's won two straight games with his own feet, arms, and shoulder right there, he'll explain it to you. But make no mistake, one of the easiest things to predict right into this weekend, and just watch it play out this way, the Philadelphia Eagles will lose the first half against the Dallas Cowboys. They might, if you feel brave, On a three-way, they might tie with the Cowboys heading into the first half. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. But what you will get, make no mistake, is even if the Philadelphia Eagles lose outright or they don't cover or whatever dynamic you apply to the game itself, the one thing you know is that the Philadelphia Eagles will damn sure win the second half. That's something that I can trust right now from a betting standpoint moving forward. Top three things you need to bet on Monday Night Football Edition coming your way, and also, what else in the NFL is as trustworthy as it gets from a sports betting standpoint? At Shander Show is how you get me on Twitter. Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. on Shanner. At Shander Show on Twitter. Let's look at tonight from the narrative standpoint. And it's not always from a drama standpoint. There's there's a football narrative term as well that's important to examine here. And I think the biggest takeaway from the, che- or the cults and what they've been dealing with always is going to be centered around T.Y. Hilton, right? You're not going to be able to do anything at all with the Colts offense, Jacoby Brissett, Marlon Mack. It's just not going to work. Zach Pascal, none of that's going to work unless you have T.Y. Hilton there. If T.Y. Hilton is officially out, this game's over. You don't need to get there, though, to that point, I think, to determine the value with the Saints. And it's going to start and end with one guy. Drew Brees is not going to go over 400 yards. It's not going to be a gigantic cannon night from Drew Brees by any means. I think you're looking at one thing specific with the Colts, and that's T.Y. Hilton keeps them in games. Doesn't win them, but keeps them in games. Whereas the Saints, Michael Thomas makes things unfair. That's a huge difference, right? Michael Thomas is basically making things unfair for the New Orleans Saints in a matchup standpoint. You have to have somebody, and I don't even know if it's somebody, but you have to have a game plan, you have to have a scheme, you have to have some hell of a week coaching in order to take a guy like Thomas out because the team is going to be able to use him in so many different ways. He kind of reminds me, and let me just stretch it here for a second, because what the hell? And I'm telling you, Michael Thomas is where we will begin and maybe even end with the top three things to look at tonight from a Monday Night Football standpoint. Thomas is kind of, he's a little like Ichiro. And I mean prime Ichiro, not what Ichiro is towards the end of his career. But Thomas, a lot of the times... Like, Thomas would be one of the game's best deep threats. If that's all New Orleans asked Michael Thomas to do, which is not just simply run down the field, but get open deep. You have the ability, separate, create space, etc. Just get open deep. The Saints would have one of the game's best deep threat right there in Michael Thomas alone. And Lou Piniella said this about Ichiro early, before people realized how good this kid really was at the time, that if he needed to, he could have Ichiro hit third or fourth every single night, get you 35-40 home runs, because he's that damn good and can be that versatile. So think about a guy who has the speed and separation ability to be the games, or one of the games, I should say, best deep threats, and also, because of his mainly route-running ability first, hand second, has the ability to be one of the game's best possession receivers and route-running receivers. And to be honest with you, when you combine them all, I don't really know. Julio Jones, I don't even know, and not to go down a list or even create one, how many guys you're going to convincingly tell yourself or say, yeah, that that's it, those guys. You got five or six guys ahead of you that are as all-purpose as Michael Thomas the hard sobering reality for the Indianapolis Colts tonight is not about covering that line it's it's not about you know looking at even a shocking the world on the money line just start with Michael Thomas start with how in the world are they going to truly get anything to limit or minimize Michael Thomas, and that's where you begin. you know I, I've seen it depending on where you're at and what site or which app you're using at. I mean I've seen it at 500 to 600. Some will let you even boost it to 700. But Michael Thomas, two receiving TDs and a Saint's win, I think is a very attainable bet, especially when you look at what odds you're getting. You start to hit quadruple digits. You start to hit a bet that's you know nine hundred, a thousand. Uh, okay, they're telling you ten to one. That's that's a lot. But even here, look at the value that you can get. Look at the value alone with Michael Thomas, where you know they're going to throw him the football as much as possible and truly test Indianapolis. Whatever scheme they have to try to keep one guy, and they'll probably rotate a little bit, especially after Thomas roasts the first one. But. To keep a body on Thomas as much as possible, and then mix in some doubling. Thomas can get the football and explode 40 yards down the field. Thomas can be a yard out. It doesn't matter if it's Hill throwing him the football, if it's Breeze throwing him the football, hell, if it's Alvin Kamara throwing him the football. There isn't a spot on the field where Michael Thomas isn't the first option. Think about that. That's what separates him just beyond from a fantasy standpoint. You're probably playing a lot of chalk tonight if you're leading off with Thomas and then, and that's not necessarily a bad thing by any means, but Michael Thomas, there really isn't a one spot on the field in which he isn't the first option. Even if they're trying to get you or part of me they're trying to get Alvin Kamara the football. Even if the play is designed... Screen's different, of course. But even if the play is designed where Alvin Kamara is a top target, if Michael Thomas is on the field from the one-yard line, it doesn't matter whose one-yard line it is. There's an option right there. And most likely, it's the first option. So, from that alone, you know Thomas is going to be good for a touchdown tonight. Add that second one in. The Saints are playing for... Seating, the Saints are still playing. It's not just that division in which they've wrapped up. Now it's looking around the conference, trying to lock up home field advantage. This is not a game in which the Saints right now, at an 8.5 to 9 point favorite, are going to walk into, especially at home, and I know they haven't been typical dominating New Orleans Saints at home, but this isn't one where they don't have anything to play for. This isn't one where they've started to coast either. Because they've wrapped up that NFC South, Indianapolis outscored thirty-one to nothing in the fourth quarter in the last three games. The Colts have been outscored drastically to that the tune of thirty-one to nothing in the fourth quarter over the last three games. So how could you not right now? Because Ty Hilton being hurt. Forget if he plays, he's out, and we'll get the latest here as we're trying to scour through Twitter, as well as the show, of course. But T.Y. Hilton hurt. If T.Y. Hilton is playing as a game-time decision, then he's playing banged up. There's no domination that's going to come out here. T.Y. Hilton, it's no fault of his own. It's just the nature of being hurt and how much he's been, especially missing games, T.Y. Hilton is rushing back to help his team as an outside shot of making the playoffs. That's what T.Y. Hilton is doing tonight, if in fact he plays. T.Y. Hilton is not coming and saying, well, you know, listen, I've been fully rested over the last three weeks, and now I'm at 100%. Let's go. Let's go to work, Jacoby. The Saints winning the first half is too easy. Honestly. The Saints owning the first half at home against a squad right now in Indianapolis that's down the main catalyst of the chain movers. I don't know how Marlon Mack keeps the Colts in this football game. And Jacoby Brissett, who's played admirably well in place of Andrew Luck, and to be fair, Brissett had the whole preseason as well, this is far from a backup taking over. This is a starting quarterback playing as well as he can, minus sometimes both of his top weapons in Mac and Hilton. But I don't know how this team in Jacoby Brissett comes out and shocks the world. And their defense limits what the Saints have been able to do, especially following that shootout. Look, you want to say that the Niners were prime for a letdown. A lot of that had to do with the distance, and a lot of that had to do with the win. You lose a shootout, and you still have seating in front of you. That ain't one that's going to have you sit back, puff a cigar, feet up on the desk, and say, ha, we got this thing taken care of. It's too easy to say that the Saints will win the first half. You want to step it up? You want to double it down? You want to take a risk? I see it at 600 across the board. Maybe, if you're lucky, one of your apps or where you bet will boost it for you, but how do the Colts win a quarter? How? Saints to win every quarter is at plus 600. How do they win a quarter? How does Indianapolis win a quarter? You just heard how bad they are god-awful in the fourth quarter. And what changes now against the Saints' defense that's really good, not pretty good, but really good? What changes? On top of that... The fourth quarter's out. The third quarter would be the one, the only time that they would have an opportunity to shift the tide here after being down in the first half. And you trust Jacoby Brissett, Zach Pascal, and Jack Doyle to turn things around being down 21-7, 24-7, and all of a sudden win a quarter 10-3? How is Indianapolis going to prevent the Saints from scoring, even if they score on all of their possessions and they net, I don't know, six to nine points? Is that enough? Is that truly enough? Is keeping the Saints to nine points in a quarter truly enough? I don't think it is. There is some value in the NBA. There's some value on the ice. There's some value in college basketball. Each and every night we do our best to mine it. We call it the big board, and that comes your way next at Shander Show for me on Twitter, Eitan Shander, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. All right, let's look around here. College. NBA. It's an interesting matchup with the Miami Heat tonight. Just to pull it up here. Grizzlies... Take it on Miami. And... It's their third consecutive home game in Memphis. Miami is clearly on a roll right now, especially establishing themselves from a defensive-minded mentality. I see the team total at 106 for Memphis, and it was alerted to me, and I thought, you know, this actually makes a lot of sense. The Heat on the road are actually allowing close to 110 points per game, and the Grizzlies are cruising at home. They really are. They're cruising at home. They're putting up over 110 points, nearly 112 points per game. So the fact that Memphis, who's at home for the third consecutive time, welcoming the Heat, who struggle a little bit compared to what they are in Miami defensively, wouldn't you think that this would be one where the Grizzlies would have an easier time going over 106 than not? In fact, if you look at just from allowing that many points from a Miami standpoint, the last seven road games, the Heat have allowed over 106 points. Grizzlies like to push the basketball, we know that. They're not the best team in the NBA, nobody's going to accuse Memphis of being that, but they do like to push, and... Memphis has scored around that number or more in the past five nights. It would take a pretty big drop, wouldn't it? Pretty big drought now to step back and not get anywhere near 106 and for that thing to hit a healthy under. But if you want to look at just that game specifically, try that. Memphis Grizzlies, 106 total. It seems very low, very low. Rockets, Spurs tonight. Another individual line to look at, Clint Capella. Capella is doing some serious damage right now when he's playing over 30 minutes, which seems to be the the norm now. And T.Y. Hilton is active tonight. So we're going to factor that in with Adam Thompson, who's going to join us in seven minutes. That's the big storyline now, is T.Y. Hilton in this game. The one team, or one of few teams... That Clint Capella dominates with his San Antonio Spurs. Capella, at the point last year, was doing whatever the hell he wanted. They played him five times. He was averaging 18 and 18. So he's getting points, as we know, off of rebounds, off of second chance. He's not a factor into the offense, especially when you've added Russell Westbrook in the backcourt. But if you just look at a prop here, and you can get it, It's listed right now, but it changes depending on if you want to buy it a little lower. 27.5 would be the combined points and rebounds. That's it. you think that Capella might be able to get 65% of that with rebounds alone. And all you need would be like 12 points to put you over, if not 10 points. 10 and that? That's not hard. 17 or 18 and 10 would actually be low for Capella tonight. And that's at minus 120. College action. You can look around. Loyola Loyola Marymount tonight is as close to an even dog as it gets. They're still hovering around plus 105, plus 100. It's a later game. They're taking on UC Davis. So Loyola Marymount on the road, taking on UC Davis. And it's amazing that... Loyola Marymount, especially on the money line, is is even a dog in this situation. Mainly because UC Davis is such a bad basketball team when you look at what they do night in and night out, which is not much. And Marymount does, they hit buckets. Not threes, they're not one of the best three-point shooters, but they get buckets in the key. They're they're a good jump-shooting team as well. UC Davis is just horrific. Marymount would probably destroy UC Davis down low as well. So not to dive too deep into a Loyola Marymount UC Davis game, but it was at 105 initially, and I think it's dropped to 100. If you're lucky, you can still get positive return on the Loyola Marymount line, money line, but that thing was moving. It was moving. Well, Evansville is minus 190. Something to that as well. T.Y. Hilton is active. What does that mean now for Jacoby Brissett, for this line specifically, and how, in fact, can you look at this game from any value at all, anything at all, eight and a half, eight, nine and a half, nine, where can we mine some value with this game? Because Adam Thompson right now, I'm I'm not even going to tell you, you're going to have to wait. You talk about a tease, wait until you hear Adam Thompson's record over the last 40-plus picks. The guy overall in the season is at 60% when it comes to picking games in the NFL. Over the last, I think, 41 to 42 best bets that he's given out, he's in the 70, like the high 70% clip. It's insane. Every single week, courtesy of bookies.com, we bring you Adam Thompson so that you can get smarter. And hopefully, you're betting on... Look, it's gotten to the point now where I just break down his two three-game parlays. He'll put them out every week, and those are returning... His parlays this year are returning positive value. So what I do is I just break down... I'm going to tell him this when we get on. He's going to join us coming up next. He puts out these two three-game parlays. What I do is I break them down individually, and I throw them in a round-robin... And at that point, I have the 6, and maybe if there's, you know, a 7th or 8th game, maybe there's a college game I like, at most I'll throw 10 in there, but I'll go 7, 8 usually, try to keep it an even number, and do 3 if I'm feeling really bold, I'll do 4 team parlays. But the beauty of it is that Adam hits. His games hit. In fact, I used all 6. One of them is tonight, so I'll save that. The only game he missed of the six on the two three-team parlays that I broke down individually was the Browns game. That was it. Everything else, crushed. Absolutely crushed. At underscore Adam underscore Thompson underscore from bookies.com. He's going to join us next on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline at Shander Show. For me, it's Fox Sports Radio The Gambler presented by Cure Auto Insurance.
1: (laughs) And Patrick, 9 to noon. Brett Brown joins us. Colin Cowherd from noon to 3. The Sixers are amazing! And the Daily Ticket with Sean Brace from 3 to 6 p.m. Only one place you can
0: find that. All ears to it. Right here on Fox Sports Radio. again. The New Orleans Saints are playing for something. The New Orleans Saints right now are playing for seating. There is something in front of their home crowd that... They have to do in order to continue to stay alive for home field advantage, and that's win a football game. They put up a ton of points, but they've also allowed a lot of points at home. The problem with allowing points and then trying to make that correlate into this game is that you don't have enough with any other other body, really, outside of T.Y. Hilton. And T.Y. Hilton has to be truly healthy. And nobody's really healthy around uh-uh. He needs to be truly healthy in order to give you a boost where you think he's going to put you over the top. Some sort of boost over the top in order to convince me as a better that this team's going to cover eight and a half, eight, 9 points. Under 10, I don't know what you're looking at. I'd feel even more comfortable with a hook, to be honest with you. But under 10, I don't know what you see and and how that really comes out as any type of safe bet. It's more a matter of, do the Colts have it in them right now to put them over the top with Jacoby Brissett and that offense and Marlon Mack and prevent anything coming from the Saints? I don't think so. I don't think at all. That's the problem that I have. Indianapolis is struggling mightily on offense. And T.Y. Hilton isn't healthy enough for me to create that big of a difference. It's just not. It's unfortunate. I understand it's unfortunate. But it's not at a point right now where the Colts have done anything to give me hope at all, based on how bad they've looked, especially in the fourth quarter. So what's the game plan? Like, What's, what's the narrative right now? The narrative is, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, you can't have Drew Brees on the football team, field, team. You'd love it if you couldn't be on the football team. You can't have him on the football field. You need to do everything you can to keep that offense off the field. What do they have with them that allows their defense to do that? I get Darius Leonard is a hell of a talent, but what do they have in them? In their defense, in their chemical makeup, that allows them to keep uh, a team like that out of the end zone. All right, let's try to go out to the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Adam, do we have you?
1: Can you hear me, Sean? Or can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: I cannot hear you.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Fun times. Okay, well, hold on a second here. Oh, you know why? Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me try this. How about now? Can you hear me?
1: Now I can hear you great.
0: Okay, perfect. All right. Well, all it takes is a little bit of a, a button push. It's amazing what technology can do. All it took is somebody to sneeze on a button on my board, and that took you out so that we couldn't communicate it's much less of an issue as I thought it was. That's the that's the great news. All right, I appreciate it, and I don't know if you heard earlier, but we were talking about the news that popped with T.Y. Hilton when we tried to bring you on, but now that we have you and we have the communication locked in here, what does this do at all, if anything, to people that are still hesitant to put money down and we're waiting for this news that T.Y. Hilton is active tonight, Adam?
1: Yeah, I... uh I was kind of going. I know he really, really wanted to play, and he was going to do everything he could to play. And they kind of sat him more as a precaution last week because he may or may not have. So I kind of went in with a bit of a hope that he was going to show up. And the Colts have, uh, you know, the Colts get it done when Brissett and Marlon Mack are both on the field. I think that was more of the key for me is that when they're both out there, you know, this team is is competitive all the time. They don't get blown out a lot, so I like taking a lot of points with a team like that and they score a lot more points when uh and mac and obviously Brissett is going to be a lot more successful mac is going to be more successful now that hilton's out there all
0: right so how much to the point though where all right let's start here did you have i believe you did right you had the colts when we first put this out earlier in the week at nine and a half correct
1: Correct, yeah. I'd like him in. in right there. And it's, what, 9 or 8
0: now? Uh, it's dropped. It and has done. dropped. So I, I got in with you at mm-hmm. 9.5 right away, too. I, I don't know, was it because of anything you didn't trust with the Saints? And again, we didn't know what the hell was going on with T.Y. Hilton at the time. It was a big number, and I imagine a lot of that was predicated on the uncertainty of Hilton's status. But T.Y. aside, Adam, why jump on the Colts at 9.5? Yeah, the Colts,
1: you know they you know they're struggling right now. There's no there's no doubt about it. They've lost a, a bunch in a row. They have seven losses on the year, but to that point, only six of those losses were by seven points or less. The other loss was by twelve, and that was because Vinatieri had a field goal blocked and run back for a touchdown. So they don't get blown out. All of their games have been close. Their last fourteen against teams above five hundred, they're twelve and two against the spread. So this is just a team that that hangs. They may not win a lot of games, but they're going to cover a lot of games. The Saints, on the other hand, are just two and four uh, against the number at home. So you know their motivation after after losing that Niners game, suddenly home field advantage and a first round bye becomes a lot more. I don't want to say elusive, but they they have some hurdles to climb because they're playing for their season basically right here. So I think that's enough motivation. I think now that uh, you have a healthy Mac and Brissette. Hilton just adds to that, uh, in my opinion. I think they can keep it close. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think I'm going to jump on Colts money line or anything, but I, I like uh, I like getting the points with the team that really needs it.
0: Yeah, and I wonder though. The counter, I guess, would be that the Saints, unlike the Niners, who suffered that letdown last week in that shootout, they lose. They win. Pardon me. They come back, and we saw what happened with Atlanta cover aside that was an outright loss i wonder though to the counterpoint of the saints their season isn't technically over where they can cruise into the playoffs they're still fighting for seeding. how much of that factors in to the the saints covering this line
1: it should and i think uh i think the niners losing kind of gave them a a glimmer of hope because it's basically a four-team race now you got the packers that are right there the seahawks of the niners over there, the Saints have clinched the playoff berth. They're going to have a first-round home game, and now with the Niners going down, you know obviously San Francisco will still have that tiebreaker. But the Saints are still playing for something, and you know you always want to go into the playoffs, you know, hot, and you know that's obviously a, a key for them. They're you know, they have not lately been a good Monday night team. They've only covered one of their last six on Monday nights. Which kind of goes against what you think of when you think of Drew Brees and Sean Payton. You think they kind of get up for these big uh, primetime games on national television, but it's been kind of the opposite lately. So you know that that's another reason why I just kind of I lean towards you know taking the points. But you know the Saints the Saints aren't uh, they're not going to lay down obviously, and they got Kamara and they have you know pound for pound they're a better team than the Colts. Let's face it, but you know in terms of just keeping it close, if that's uh, if that's what the goal is, as far as uh, us backing them, uh, I'm still taking the points there.
0: Okay, so this seems to be, and I don't know how it would play out any other way, but I don't know how the Colts cover a game, even at 9.5 where you and I got in. I don't know how they cover a game where this thing is high 20s, low 30s. It would seem that if the Colts are going to at least cover, maybe even outright win this game, but cover, this thing would have to stay under the total, no? Well,
1: they uh probably.
0: <laughs> I hope not because I like the over. Okay, well that now now I don't like the under. Since you're on the over, I, I feel like I, I need... I, okay, real quick, just to digress here. So before you came on the year, before we had the, the technical difference, I, I mentioned your record, you're through the roof, and especially that you're returning positive gains on the parlays. What I'm doing now is I'll have two, maybe one or two college picks, right? And in the bowls it's going to add into it as well. But I'll have like two, maybe three college Picks a week that uh, I'll and, and another guy I come from, and I've chopped up your two three team parlays and I put them all in a round robin and do, you know, the two to three. It's amazing how much money people can make off you, Adam, from parlays down to chopping your games up individually, adding them into round robins. I mean, it's like you've created an ingredient and now I can cook and bake with it in multiple ways.
1: That's great. I'm, uh, <laughs> I like cake. So uh I talk about some cookies i look, I like rum cake, so bake me up something and uh no it's, it's, is it's yeah, it is is rum cake your go to cake
0: you wouldn't go like cho- triple chocolate lava or in you know, a rain <laughs> what is a dark forest or something
1: I'm a big pecan pie and a rum cake. I'm from Kentucky originally, so I got that uh got a little bourbon uh a gotcha. chill you know, bourbon running in my veins a little bit,
0: but okay, that makes sense that no. okay, that <laughs> okay, makes that, sense then
1: yep. Both of these teams have been kind of leaning towards the under lately. Both have been playing towards the under, keeping games close. But the over has hit in five of the last six Monday night games for both teams. And then I think you combine with that uh, when Brissett and Mac both play. You know they both missed uh, their share of, their share of action. When they both play this season, the Colts are averaging just over 48 points a game, which is quite a bit higher than when one of them is missing. And Uh, You know, most of the games that they're playing against, that they're scoring these amount of points, haven't been against an offense that can light it up like the Saints potentially can. So I think you put those two things together. You know, you get it. uh, You know, on Monday night, I think there's going to be some points scored. I'm hoping it's uh, on both sides, and that uh, that any can keep it close.
0: Yeah, I I would too, and I, I think you lay out some pretty good reasoning. How about as far as a prop standpoint, let me throw one out at you and then we'll go through some, some that you actually like. The, I saw it at plus 600, depending on where people are. Sometimes they'll boost it for you, but even if the cults, and we're assuming, you know, based off the cults covering and whatnot, and it might go high, especially since you like the over and you laid out good reasoning for it. Michael Thomas. Two TD. Now, again, this is an outright win, not talking about cover. Michael Thomas, two TDs, and the Saints win outright. I think that's a pretty good prop, and I want to get your thoughts on that before I bet it.
1: <laughs> those, are, <laughs> those are two things that you have to expect can happen. To, so the to odds are high. I mean, two t- touchdowns for one player, that's hard to expect, but Thomas gets it done at home. He's scored at least one touchdown, I know, in four of his last five home games. And the Colts, uh, the Colts have been inconsistent, especially guarding number one wide receivers. You get that. Uh, you know, Breeze is obviously going to look for Thomas. Thomas, if there's one MVP candidate at wideout, it's him. So, you know, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad bet at all. That's a, that's really good odds. But you know, if there's a player prop out there that I'm kind of thinking about that I really like, just an individual player prop to score, it's a Taysom Hill. Mm. Just because uh, you think, uh, you know. They find ways to get him the ball. You know, I think Sean Payton's kind of a showman for uh, prime time games. I think he'll try to do something for Taysom to kind of showcase his, his talent. The last two Monday night games that the Saints have played, he'll have scored a touchdown. So to play in that, I don't know what his odds are uh, right now, but I think uh, compared to some other players, I think you might uh, find a bargain with him.
0: That's a pretty good call right there. It seems like they are intent on using him a lot, especially as you mentioned in, in scoring scenarios, Adam Thompson joining—he can,
1: Jordan... he can, he can run past and he can run a touchdown, pass a touchdown, or throw a touchdown. So you got that uh, that triple threat.
0: Do you like? Is there anything outside of individual props that caught your eye? La- last question on the Monday night game. Is there anything else in, I don't know, Saints winning every quarter or, or, or something along with Saints winning the first half, Colts winning the second half, high-scoring quarter? Is there anything that jumps out at you specifically in this game tonight that's non-player prop re- related?
1: There's one that I liked that had, was getting pretty good odds, and this goes back to both teams uh, hopefully scoring some points. But both teams... Finishing over 20 points, or actually scoring 20 points or over, was about plus 150, and I just like I just like that number. When Brissett and Mac both play, the Colts are averaging 25 a game. That's about three more than they average when one was missing. And of course, you know the Saints can score, especially at home. You know they're going to get up and down, and neither side has a defense that's uh, necessarily shut down. I think they both rank. You look at both of these teams; they're they rank 16th and 17th in total yards allowed. Hmm. So you know it's not like uh, it's not like the Ravens and you know any any teams like that uh, trying to stop you. Know, I think both teams are going to be able to score, asking for 20 points for each side. I think that's that's doable. I and mean, you're still not even hitting the total; that's under the total uh, right now. So I think that's a very doable number, and you're getting pretty favorable odds for it.
0: So let's look at the weekend real quick before we kind of take advantage of any early lines that popped up, and I have a couple of games I want to throw at you where the lines are already out for this coming weekend, but I'll just begin here. What was the bigger, not payout, but shock for you, for Adam Thompson? And I know that so far, correct me if I'm wrong, at least in the parlays, the, the only thing that didn't hit was the Browns, assuming tonight with the Colts hits, right? So... I might be missing thing, but I, I think for the most part, once again, you crushed it. But what shocked you more was it the Jags, who at one point we had somebody locally tell us that they got the Jags at plus nine hundred when they were down sixteen to three at Bet Rivers Casino here in PA. Or wow. the fa- I know talk about that turnaround, or the fact that the Eagles did not even. Adam, I don't even think that they physically touched Dwayne Haskins until the final play of the game, in which Nigel Bradham returns a fumble for a touchdown that then puts the Eagles over and they cover.
1: Yeah, that, uh, you know, I, I picked the Eagles. Eagles was one of my best bets. I, I thought they would get it done against the Redskins team that
0: frankly
1: <laughs> isn't getting it done. So I couldn't even be excited when I heard about the last play. I didn't, I didn't even see it. I just, you know, I saw they went up four. I'm like, of course they did, because I had the Eagles four and a half. You know, I'm like, lamenting that. <laughs> right. I'm angry at the Eagles for, you know, I can't quit the Eagles for some reason. I'm just like that jilted lover who keeps coming back to them, and they <laughs> pose me again, and, you know. And then I, you know, saw the final score. I'm like, what? And I'm getting all these texts, you know, with exclamation points and all caps. and uh, So I didn't see that coming at all. I don't think uh, you possibly could. I actually took the Jaguars to uh take care of the Raiders, <laughs> In upset fashion, um, I'm surprised, especially after 16 to three. I thought, uh, you know, the NFL doesn't fix games because if they would have, Oakland would have won that game, the final game at Oakland. They're not going to lose to the Jag, the whole you know, the lowly Jaguars, and uh, get booed off their own uh, stadium to, to end the uh, run there. But I, uh, yeah, the Philly, you know, Philly. I don't know what to, I still don't know what to think of them. You know, they're bringing, they're playing these close games against teams they shouldn't be playing close against, and uh, fortunately, uh, you know, you win some in ridiculous fashion, and you lose some in ridiculous fashion. So I'll, I'll take the wins when I can get them.
0: No, not not bad at all, man, not bad at all. What was the biggest shock for you that you didn't hit as far as one of your games outside of, of what we just laid out?
1: Well, the only, the only, I, I'm 3-1 of on my best bets this week, so that's pretty good. I'm up to 75% or something it's like amazing, that. That's amazing,
0: man, amazing.
1: It was going pretty well, yeah, but uh, I took, I thought the, Broncos would hang in Kansas City, and I was definitely wrong. I mean, they, the defense did all right; they held uh, they held Mahomes and the Chiefs to only 23 points, but the offense, uh, you know, just got shut down. The Chiefs are looking really good right now. I'm less upset about it only because the Chiefs played so well. I was almost proud of them for you know <laughs> getting it done, and they're looking really good. They're looking really dangerous uh, at the right time of the year. So I think uh, you know. I think the Broncos will bounce back if not uh, this week but uh you know that was that was my one uh that was my one gaffe <laughs> this week I guess. Yeah,
0: and that was that was an interesting one because and look, we always have the benefit of hindsight et cetera. but the one thing I didn't understand was Why was the same logic not applied to the Chiefs, or pardon me, the Broncos, like it was to the Chiefs? And I'm not saying yours, I'm just saying as far as me gathering all the different conversations about the Broncos this past week, meaning, well... Kansas City just primed for a letdown. They go up, they beat the Patriots, and that's what happens. You beat the Patriots, you have a letdown. Why wasn't that applied to the Broncos, who had their biggest win, at least their biggest half, we saw against the Texans? And even in that second half, showed signs of letting up and kind of having that letdown.
1: Right. I mean, the Chiefs were only 4-2 their last six weeks, and three of those wins were by a touchdown or less. So they weren't blowing out teams even when they were winning. So... You know, you knew they were going to eventually, you know, pick it up, but that defense uh, hadn't stopped a whole lot of a whole lot of teams. Drew Locke, seems like the team has really rallied around him in Denver. They already had a decent run game. That the defense was, you know, solid. I thought they'd keep it within ten points, you know, nine and a half. But you know, they got down early and they just never got going. And Locke, I think, finished 18 of 40 passing against the Chiefs defense that got gashed by a lot of other quarterbacks. So kudos
0: to the Chiefs. They, uh, they beat me <laughs> this week. It happens. It's, uh, even, even to you, Adam, it, <laughs> it happens. happens. It happens.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so let me ask as far as looking ahead, and the lines come out right away before we even get to tonight's game. We already have lines for this coming weekend. Is there any line you jumped on right away because you knew, man, this thing is going to change, it's going to move. Let me get value now before I lose it.
1: Yeah, I took uh, Falcons right away against the Jaguars. I, I I don't know if I got them quick enough. I got them at seven minus seven. But the Falcons have been playing just really good ball lately. They're finally playing the ball that everybody expected them to be playing, you know, by week one basically. And they came out and you know have been one of the historically one of the worst defenses of all time for the first about eight weeks of the season. And you know now they kind of bounce back. The offense looks better, and this looks like the Falcons team that we kind of expected. These last few weeks. I mean, this is a team that beat the Saints and the Niners earlier this year, including last week. So, you know, I like, I like them. I think the Jaguars, uh, you know, I think Sunday was more an indictment on what's happening with the Raiders than it is a bounce back for the Jaguars. I think, uh, you know, the, before they beat the Raiders, they lost five straight and all those losses were by 17 points or more. So I think uh, I think there's a good spot for Atlanta. I think they can continue, you know, playing for their coach, playing for his job, Dan Quinn, and I think they take care of business uh, on Sunday. All
0: right. So a couple of other ones I wanted to throw out there and, and minus seven. So you, do you think it's it's actually to go in the opposite direction where the Falcons might be laying closer to like eight, eight and a half, or even nine?
1: That was my fear that it was going to get over seven, and I just wanted to I wanted to grab it before I got to seven and a half because. Then I'd start to overthink it a little bit, and, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to go down just because it's the you know Jaguars, unless sure. the Minshew magic uh, people start uh, falling in love with him after after one game. But just the way the the way the Falcons are playing, you know, I trust them at seven you know, seven and a half. Anything after that, then you're then you're kind of risking it. Right, I've I'm got, safe,
0: I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Re- real quick, I've got uh, four games, and I want to split them in two. So not even a parlay, but I- I'm just going to phrase it so you understand what I'm saying. Pick one of two early odds that you think has better value. A pick right now between the Bengals and Miami in Miami, or Baltimore laying 10. And again, these might have changed, but this is where I got them yesterday. Baltimore laying ten in Cleveland. Which one has more value? The pick'em in Miami against the Bengals or Baltimore on the road laying ten in Cleveland?
1: Boy, you know I I don't trust the Bengals or the Dolphins because Fitzpatrick and Dalton are just quarterbacks who you know can throw for three hundred forty yards in a certain game or can throw for one hundred forty yards in a game. And you just don't know. And you know, both those defenses are terrible. You know that might. That might be a good over spot. Maybe both quarterbacks will go wild in this, in this meaningless game. Uh, I like I like Baltimore though minus ten. I mean, you know, the Browns went into Arizona against uh, a terrible defense and struggled mightily and uh, got run over too by uh, by that run game. So, you know, I think uh, that's bad news uh, with uh, Ingram and Jackson coming to town. Actually, them going there. I think, uh, I think that could get ugly, especially with the infighting that's going on. I don't think any of these Browns players seem to be really fighting for uh, Freddie Kitchens very much anymore to keep his job. So I see uh, that one could get ugly in a hurry.
0: All right, and then the same question, two different teams. The Eagles early at plus three at home versus the Packers early at plus four and a half on the road in Minnesota. And, of course, the Eagles hosting the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I would lean towards the Eagles right now, just because you know they've they've made it this far. <laughs> you know, you, they still have this talent on their team. You know, they're they're the most disappointing team in the league in terms of uh, against the spread, if you want to look at it that way. You know, the Cowboys are a top ten offensive unit. They're number one actually in total yards uh, on the season. They're top ten defensive unit. I can see why they're favored. Uh, You know, they're coming off a a very impressive win over the Rams. They just uh, ran a rough shot over them and shut uh, shut them down offensively. You know, I don't know what the Packers are going to be able to do. They've gotten by on big playmaking. They don't really stop anybody, and they don't really move the ball that well. But they have Rodgers, and they make big plays. I don't know if that's going to happen in Minnesota against that team. So I definitely uh, like the Eagles uh, as far as those two go.
0: All right, last one for you, at underscore Adam underscore Thompson underscore all things NFL and beyond for bookies.com. Everybody wants to know, and I've teased this in the first hour, telling the world that you will give the early pick right now, at least if there's value here. The Bills are getting six in New England. Your thoughts?
1: Uh, I'm a, I've am been a big Bills backer since week one. I just like... Uh... I just like Josh Allen, I, I, and that defense is, is tough. You know, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't turn the ball over that much. I think they before last night. I think they they had a couple of turnovers before that. They only had three turnovers over the last eight games, which is why the Bills actually beating the Steelers was one of my top plays this past week. I just kind of thought I like getting points for them. That said, they are zero fifteen. All-time against Tom Brady in New England when Brady plays all four quarters. (laughs) So, you know, that's a and that's the number one defense in the NFL. You know, it was a close game in Buffalo when they played. That was probably Brady's worst game ever. (laughs) So they shut him down. They'll have some confidence going into there, but, boy, you know, going against the Patriots uh, at this time of the year, it'll be cold. Not that Buffalo's going to be, you know, bothered by that, I guess, but, it's just a it's just a tough matchup. Uh, I lean towards the Patriots. I would like to see the. I, I guess it depends where the line's going to end up, actually. Too. If That's that thing true. If it goes to seven or goes to, if, if it goes to over seven, you know, that might push me. Uh, that might push me into taking the points.
0: See, if I it thought it would go half, the other way. I, I thought right, the public would right would overreact to what happened with the Patriots. The fact that they were outgained by the Bengals and needed those interceptions and the Bills, mind you look like their defense no matter what is going to take care of business no matter who or where they play
1: yeah i think that's a good point and i think that's a good argument for the under i don't i could see both teams <laughs> really struggling to <laughs> to do anything off that's fair that's fair 17 to 10 <laughs> something like that
0: okay um, that works
1: yeah yeah i'd we'll love to see where that number ends up but i could see uh, yeah it'd be interesting to see which way the public goes because you know it's You know, the Bills are the upstart, they're obviously playing very well. They're playing better than the Patriots are right now. But it's still the Patriots, and it's Brady and Belichick and and all that jazz. And here we are in December, so are people going to think about the Bills and then kind of go, oh, it's the Patriots, oh, I can't, and then (laughs) pull the lever for New England? Uh, We'll see. We'll see what the line ends up uh, later in the
0: week. Awesome stuff, Adam, as always, man. Appreciate you, your insight, and your time here on uh, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler.
1: All right, things done. Like you Until got it. Time.
0: At underscore Adam underscore Thompson underscore. I maintain, this man is the best in the business, and we're fortunate enough to have him hang with us. Awesome stuff. Just look at the record; it's ridiculous. Time and time again, as we've had him on all year, that this guy and you heard him as far as the the most recent. Thirty one and eleven over his last forty two best bets. That's seventy-three point eight percent, three and one in week fifteen with tonight's game on the line. And he told you Colts. Now he got him at plus nine and a half, plus eight and a half. He still liked him. All right. I mentioned this. We've created some odds. We actually have real odds out of the studio here. On one of the more bizarre stories in sports, and no, it's not the New England Patriots, and no, it's not the suspension, indefinite, mind you, suspension of Josh Gordon. None of that. It's actually in the NBA. We'll get to that next. At Shander Show on Twitter, com is how you can stream us if you're not listening on the two radio signals in and around Philadelphia. We'll get to that question, that hypothetical question next, with odds to boot, before we get you ready for Monday Night Football at the top of the hour. Amazing. Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. He will not be suspended again, and there's plenty of time. We haven't even hit January yet, so there's plenty of opportunity for Dion Waiters to do something stupid, as dumb as what he did the second time around, or maybe dumber and get suspended again by the Miami Heat, who clearly want no part of anything Dion Waiters is doing. Including, of course, having him on the floor, because you know that a situation that I'm about to lay out would not have happened if, in fact, there was true value, or at least perceived mutual value from both Waiters and the Heat. Dion Waiters got caught. He got caught on Instagram posting stuff on a boat when he was supposed to be sick. He called out sick, went on Instagram and posted about his day. You have to be really dumb in order to get caught doing something like that. Like, do you realize how difficult it is now to get caught playing hooky? You can sit at home, although I will say, I had a buddy of mine. (laughs) He's in the radio business, so I don't want to out him. But I had a buddy of mine, this was down in Nashville. Nashville who called out, because a new game, I think it was one of the Fallout games came out. I think it was Fallout Vegas, the new Vegas game. Not the new game, but it was Fallout New Vegas. And it was one of these releases where he got it, and at midnight was downloading. So he purposely took off for two days, knowing that the video game would come out. And he would have gotten away with it, If it wasn't for some pesky kid, and I say that, of course, paraphrasing the Scooby-Doo thing, but it was. It was a producer. It was a producer who came in one day later that week and was talking about how he's constantly on the PlayStation Network and looking for people to play and different games and how he couldn't believe this host, because I'm sure the guy was playing nonstop and probably passed out, so the controller was still on. He was getting time logged in playing this game, but he was he couldn't believe that this host, who called out sick, mind you, and not oh, I'm not going to be able to come in for the next couple of days. I'm really sick, like preemptively called out sick for the next couple of days so he could play this video game. Was nailed because one of the younger producers was eyeballing this dude active on the PlayStation Network for 48 straight hours. So clearly this guy wasn't sick, suffering from some sort of bronchitis and managing to get through level 15 of Fallout New Vegas. The guy was just sitting there, jammed in as many hours as he possibly could playing this game. That's still not as foolish and stupid and short-sighted, idiotic, as Dion Waiters, man, you were out on a boat fishing, and that's how you get nailed? Your own undoing, your own stupidity. This is the oldest thing in the book. You call out sick from work, you do everything possible to not get seen, man. Before the days of social media, this was the norm. Now with social media, and you're a celebrity on top of that. Can you imagine this guy? He's sitting there thinking, look, they don't need me. I don't need them. I'm out. I'm calling. up sick. I got little sniffles, sore throat. I ate something. Food poisoning. Uh, Kids sick. Wife sick. Dog sick. Something. I'm sick. You do your best as a celebrity. I know that a lot of you might think, you know, Deion Waiters isn't really a celebrity. Deon Waiters is an NBA player. There are people that, even in Miami, know who Deion Waiters is. Even if it's just, oh man, I saw Dion Waiters at the CVS. Guy was in a sweatsuit, sniffling, looked like death. Pale, nasty, looked like death, waiting for his erythromycin. Even that would get noticed. So here is Dion Waiters doing his absolute best, trying his damnedest, not to get noticed at all out in public after he erroneously called out sick. This, mind you, after the suspension with the whole gummy fiasco that we brought up on here, uh, I feel like a month and a half ago. So Waiters get suspended because he posts video of himself. Now, that shows one of two things, and I don't even necessarily know if they are mutually exclusive here. I think the two can coexist, to be honest with you. But it shows... And I don't know if either one of these are helping his cause of not getting suspended again, which is why I believe when we created these odds, Dion Waiters getting suspended for the third time this year sits at an overwhelming favorite at minus 300. In fact, the line just moved. It's up to minus 310. He either had no idea at all that people would connect him being out sick with pictures of him on a boat fishing doing whatever. He either had no idea what's and I don't know what's worse, but in this case neither is going to help his cause. Zero idea or zero self-awareness to the point in which he might have thought, "Well, I guess one of my fill in the blank hundreds of thousands, million, I don't know, what followers he has on Instagram might say something." Or, "Hey, maybe my teammates, I guarantee you, in the case of who outed Dion Waiters, That's another bet we'll throw out there. Just give me a second here on this. Dion Waiters not getting suspended for the third time now, sitting at plus 230, is a fool's bet. Because Waiters, even if he knew exactly what he was doing, and this is why it's an overwhelming favorite that he's going to get suspended again. Even if he knew, especially if he knew what he was doing, the total lack of care and the total lack of any type of positive emotion thrown towards the Miami Heat is clearly evident in this, is it not? He does not give a you-know-what about the well-being of anybody on that team if he's just like, I'm out of here, man, calling out sick, going out. I had so much fun fishing today. Check it out. Wait a second, man you you were supposed to be there. You're supposed to be practicing. You're supposed to be playing. We got a game. We, nah, man. I'm sorry. Fishing. I was out there on the boat. You know, you put that on Instagram. Do you realize that they saw that? I don't care. Let him suspend me. I don't know what's worse. Is it that he had no idea or no ability to be self aware and didn't connect the two, which is erroneously calling faking sick in order to call out playing hooky and getting nailed because he put video and pics of himself up, or is it the, I don't care, let him find me, let him suspend me. What are they going to do, cut me? I make too much money. Guarantee. What are they going to do? Eat that contract? I dare them to. Either way, I think you're pretty much funneling your way into a decision that he's going to be suspended again. Now, the interesting question for me, of course, is who outed who is the one, like if it could only be somebody in the organization, who outed Dion Waiters? Who would be the odds-on favorite for the person inside the Miami Heat organization, front office, coach to player? Who is the odds-on favorite? And shame on you if you haven't already picked this out and you live in or around Philadelphia. That would see and connect the two. Hey, wait a second, man. That guy should have been here today in practice. And I see this pic of him out there on a boat deep-sea fishing off the coast of Miami. Minus 5,000, Jimmy Butler. Without a doubt, without hesitation, minus 5,000, Jimmy Butler is the odds-on favorite, and it's not even close as far as the guy in the organization that would say, wait a second, something doesn't seem right. T.Y. Hilton, the impact before kickoff. That next, Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Winding down here. One more time. This is a Saints game. This is a Saints narrative. This is a New Orleans Saints domination. I hate and Man, we have Adam Thompson on. He's just he's just red hot. Nine and a half is a lot of points. Don't get me wrong. If you got the Colts in at nine and a half, and yeah, I get it. Now, T.Y. Hilton, and and he's here and he's in the game. But if you, in fact, got the Colts at nine and a half, I I don't fault you for that by any means. I, I don't. However, I think it is major right now to know that Michael Thomas is going to be the one who's going to dominate tonight. Michael Thomas, two touchdowns, Saints win. That is the prop of the night. Good luck to all of you betting. Good luck to all of you playing fantasy. We'll chat again on a Tuesday edition of One of the Odds. You can follow me on Twitter, at Shander Show. It's Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, and it's all presented by Cure Auto Insurance.
1: Dan Patrick, 9 to noon. Brett Brown joins us. Colin Cowherd from noon to 3. The Sixers are amazing. And the Daily Ticket with Sean Brace from 3 to 6 p.m. Only one place you can find that. All ears to it. Right here on Fox Sports Radio. The Gamble.